for black men, one of, if not the most perilous emotions that we can really go about displaying in public is vulnerability. Now, I've always wondered, why is this, right? Why can't I be vulnerable and why isn't okay why isn't it okay for my brothers to express vulnerability? You know? Now, when we go back to the days of slavery, right? Moving on from that point in time, there's always been this trope or idea that we as black men have to be hypermasculine, we have to be sexual, we have to be aggressive. So much so that showing any form of or any sort of emotion or any kind of vulnerability that just gets looked at with a lot of raised eyebrows you feel and historically we as a people have opted into toxic masculinity to preserve our sanity and protect and provide for the sake of our families not because we want to more of a because we've been conditioned and to doing so. Now, back to the slavery idea. Black men were seriously emasculated by their white slave masters, and there's always been this pressure to feel some sort of security in our manhood, and that kind of thing still lingers to today, even. Now, I don't know about you, but whenever I see black bodies, or hear about black bodies being talked about in the media or sports spaces, they're usually commodified as sources of entertainment or a revenue ticket as though we're something that people can profit off of and that just doesn't sit right with me because we're human and we're not revenue tickets. So treat us as humans. Now, when you take time to really sit with this reality and you couple that with a desperation to escape to racialized poverty. Black folks have been left with really no choice in the matter but to assimilate, you know, and assimilating into that dominant culture of hyper masculinity and strength and aggressiveness or aggression, that's come with its share of problems. Now, in opting into this sort of necessary evil of hypermasculinity, it's almost become some sort of a trait that black males have to wear. And when we, or when I, when I go about breaking it apart today or taking that idea of it being a trait that we carry or wear, right, it'll make a lot more sense. Now, Something that's widely known and can't be denied is that black folks have been subject to oppression across the globe, and just taking up the stance on power and domination or dominance, that's just been a method of self-preservation in the face of the oppression that we faced. And in talking to some other black males, right, I just get the feeling that we're all tired of constantly being hypervigilant or on edge, right? And a lot more recently, at least in my generation of black males, there's 
there's really been this big push to challenge societal norms and just really go about doing what's right for us as a people. I don't know about you, but I just feel that vulnerability is a huge concept that really needs to be explored and validated in spaces where black folks find themselves in, and we find ourselves in all spaces. So vulnerability and emotional intelligence needs to be validated in all spaces. The reason I say this is because when you constantly carry the trope of strong black man or strong black woman, it doesn't give you permission to be soft or off even, right? And as the saying goes, nothing for us happens without us. So I figured there's really no better way to encourage vulnerability in the black male space than having a conversation with another black man about vulnerability. So with that, I just want to welcome my guest for today, Jonathan, who I'm really looking forward to having a conversation with. thank you seriously for uh, joining me on today's episode. You know, being able to talk about vulnerability with another black man is, it's really underrated. You know, we don't ever get that space to really be soft. So having conversations like this that really shift thought processes and really okay us leveling with each other and talking about what it is we're thinking or feeling that's important so i think i'm gonna just dive right into the questions okay and get the ball rolling so what is vulnerability to you right what does it really mean straight into it i love it okay uh vulnerability mm-hmm. means being your true authentic self you know it means not being afraid, unapologetically being yourself uh, means the deepest corners of yourself that you possibly might not really know how deep it can go. But being able to be present in that space whenever you do get to that point, whether it be you know, reliving triggered moments and really standing your ground and trying to get to the root of not overcoming your feelings, but getting a control of them. And you have to be vulnerable before you can truly get to the root of it. And yeah, that's my perspective of vulnerability. It's strength, it's it's bravery, it's, it's courage, and it's, it's just an amazing feeling. It's scary, but it's amazing overall. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So when I say something like, yeah, black folks, we often repress our emotions. Would you say that's because of how we've been conditioned or is it something that is natural for us? I would personally, I would say a bit of both uh, more so 
me, I can speak personally from, you know, East African culture um, or Eritrean culture to be more specific. And there's a lot of pride. You know, there's a lot of everything is about looking strong and your appearance being the best. So having those conversations about feelings and emotions gets naturally suppressed because in, in their eyes, it's a sign of weakness, you know, being back home and, and talking about, you know, a vulnerable state or emotions or feelings. So naturally it gets suppressed and coming over here as a first generation, you know, your parents can only teach you what they know and they don't know how to communicate with their feelings because they've been um, told how to suppress and to move on and get over it. And, you know, it's about school, work, family. That's it. It's not even you. There's no you in it. It's just about what you can do for someone else. And on the other side, uh, black people have always been seen as strong and, you know, unbreakable or like, you know, they're, you know, they're down, but they'll come back. And, you know, you take it back to even in history where women were, you know, gynecologists were performing on black women without anesthesia because they just assumed, well, not assumed in their mind, their ignorance, they just said, oh, black women can't feel as much pain as a white woman in their mind. And the same thing goes with, you know, us being slaves, you know, it was just all about physical demand and, you know, that's generational trauma that continues to get passed down. So you can look at it from both sides of the spectrum and you can see how we can also be our, our, our own enemy, but at the same time, our environment hasn't been friendly to us. Our environment hasn't supported us. These things are, these institutions and these practices are created for other people, not for us. So we talk about mental health, we talk about therapy, all those different things. These are institutions that weren't really made for us. But the greatest thing about Black people is the resilience and, you know, captivating a space and revolutionizing it to make it for us. And that's what we've done. So I think, you know, as, as natural as both those spectrums could be, I think we now have a better grasp of it personally. And I don't know, I, I feel like the times are changing. Exactly. The times definitely are changing um, with the shift from a more Eurocentric space, right? Uh, in society to incorporating, at least in the spaces that we find ourselves in, uh, more Afrocentric lenses. And in terms of moving forward and chartering or charting out a safer space for us to actually be able to express vulnerability, what would you say is a good recipe for making that work? So what's a good recipe to make our own spaces? Spaces that allow vulnerability. Mm. Recipe. Oh, man. A lot, a lot of good ingredients. Uh, number one is authenticity. You know, that is number one because it's just all real. It's all real. And that's number one. Like, you can connect with people when you're real. And people will want to connect with you when you're real and authentic. And even if you, maybe the authenticity doesn't, connect well with someone else, at least it's real. So number one is authenticity because once now you've created that space in an authentic way and someone is in it, there's no hidden strings. There's no ill will. There's no bad intention. There's no hidden agenda. It's all authentic. So I think that's number one in creating, um, you know, that safe space. And um, another one um, is this love and love. I mean, I can name a, quite a bit that kind of group together. I would say love, empathy, and compassion. Mm -hmm. I think those three are on the same level right after authenticity. And because 
as it's hard to be vulnerable. You know, that's scary for a lot of people. And to be vulnerable to someone who isn't compassionate or doesn't even want to sympathize or empathize with what you're going through kind of continues to put around, put walls around you because now you're afraid you have, you know, a bad experience opening up to somebody and then it can hinder your, you know, your future experiences. So I think when you're want to create a space for people and you want to allow these feelings to be just to come out naturally and be vulnerable, you know, you have to meet them with compassion and empathy. And empathy is big for me because, you know, as it's truly putting yourself in someone else's shoes and just, uh, and just being human first. It's just being human. It's not thinking about anything else but the human side of compassion for someone else. And I think those are the most important ingredients to me um, just right off the bat. And then it goes, um, a lot of things like respect is a huge ingredient, right? Because um, at the end of the day, a lot of people might not agree with each other. Many people have different opinions. But the number one thing is, after all those ingredients, I feel like they're interchangeable, but respect is huge. You know, when you're able to respect someone, you give them that space. It's yeah. not about debating or, or or going back and forth. It's just, you know, I respect someone's feelings. You can empathize with them, and then you're showing compassion as well. So I think it's uh, interchangeable, interchangeable ingredients. So I definitely agree with what you said, and I'm going to shift things over to how we as black folks have been treated in society a little bit, just to sort of address exactly what, what kind of role that society has to play. Now, it seems that we're framed and treated as different, and I don't know exactly when that mindset's going to change and what exactly we have to do or what more we have to do in order to be seen as on par with everyone else. And like you've mentioned, having conversations is really important and meeting others with empathy is really important. And in terms of moving forward as a community, right, we need to cut the standards of what a black person's supposed to be like, right? And a question that I have for you is, how do we at home like not trivialize vulnerability? That's a good question. So trivialize vulnerability. Or how do we mm. stop it from being trivialized? Mm. So with the word trivialized, how, how are you using it in terms of uh, black people's vulnerability? I just want, um, the way the word's being used is, you see it being sort of brushed over, right? How do we stop that from mm. happening? Mm. Ah, man, we can only control what we can control, you know, at the same time. Uh, I want to go back to authenticity. Being our authentic selves is the only way we can truly, I think, make strides because there's a lot of code switching, there's conforming, and that doesn't do anything but set us back more. Uh, I think it only causes more division that way versus stepping into our ground. If you think about it, other cultures, you know, of course, everyone wants to conform here. It's a melting pot in North America. But at the same time, like culture, what makes us different is what's beautiful. And I think understanding everyone's difference, differences, everyone's unique, and understanding that even the trauma is unique, uh, this vulnerability is unique, and it's just about being respected. It's about having our own spaces just to be, you know, respected, allowing us to you know, feel we want to feel, go through what we need to go through and versus, you know, other people validating what our feelings are or people validating, 
you know, how we're supposed to think or people who say, oh, there's no more slavery. Like you hear so many, you know, foolish and ignorant statements because they think, oh, it's not as bad as it used to be. That's so ignorant. doesn't even matter if it was yesterday. You know, having respect saying, you know what, this is wrong, whatever happened, not whatever happened, what happened historically was wrong and, you know, no longer about brushing it off. And I feel like that's why people are having the conversations now because they're more aware that people still have generational trauma. People still have, even if it's not generational trauma, they can still have trauma just from, you know, someone calling them the N-word in middle school. You know, you don't understand how some people will take things. So you have to have respect and empathy for whoever is going through something. And I think that is number one. If I think we can also put that standard where people want to become allies for the Black community and people want just to be an ally to their Black friend. I think number one is to just listen, you know, just to listen. It's, it's not it's not up to you to brush it off. And I'm saying you to, you know, anyone that's not Black. It's not up to, to them to validate or justify what racism is or what pain is, what anything is. Like, if someone is coming to you about, if the oppressor is coming to the oppressor, it's the oppressor's job to create that space and make up for the mistakes that were made by your ancestors. That's an obligation that oppressors have. And it's an obligation to the oppressed to make sure that our ancestors didn't die in vain. And that's to you know, stand up for what we believe in, what we feel, our emotions, whatever it may be, and just stand up for it. At the same time, demand the respect of what we've gone through and what we're st- still going through. Really well said. And you touched on something about feeling or validating what it is we're feeling, right? And I've always wondered, how do you go about navigating not only your emotions or what you're feeling, but emotional distress, you know? How do I validate my emotional distress? Or how do you go about navigating, right? Not only your emotions, but your emotional distress, like, because you did talk about validating what we feel and how we don't really have to wait on anyone else to validate what we're feeling, you know? Mm-hmm. Validate everything, man. Validate everything. Everything. Anything you feel, your body will tell you everything that is true. Your body will not lie to you. Whether it might be just a second of feeling, your body's not lying to you. It's telling you the truth. It's telling you what it's feeling. And then it's up to us in terms of how we can react to those feelings. And I like to go about it being a little more proactive than reactive with feelings, uh, especially on this journey I've been recently since last year. And um, when those feelings come, I don't react to it with impulse emotions. I like to sit down with my thoughts because when I really sit down with them and I think through them, I get to validate it. I get to, it's like when you start paying attention to your feelings and listening to your body and listening to your heart and communicating with yourself, you are validating your feelings by doing that. That that whole process is validating what you're going through. That whole process is giving yourself respect. It's giving yourself love. It's just, it's a different type of connection when you can just literally sit down with your feelings. And it's different when it's uh, reaction. And it's different when it could be surface level to yourself. Because those surface level emotions or feelings or experiences can be attached to something rooted to your childhood. You know, there's so much that are, you know, 
that makes up our character from the ages like you know being born to seven or even just being born to 18 months and for us to sometimes we you know we have certain feelings we say oh it's not a big deal we self-abandon right we'll, we'll just say well you know other people go through worse so i'm not going to talk about mine or some days we might say um oh, I should be grateful. I should just be thankful for where I'm at. And that's understandable. No one can tell you how to feel, but sometimes you need to listen to how you feel, not what you think you should feel, but listen to what you actually feel. And that way you can get a better control of what you're experiencing, what you're going through. So next time when those same emotions do come up, you can connect it to something. And that way you can get a better handle at things. And that way you can, you know, try to not overcome things, but Find your happy place. Find your medium place. You know, I think that's the best way to say it. No, that definitely makes sense. And if I'm being completely honest with you, just in my life, um, not knowing how to navigate emotional distress sometimes, it's placed me in a tough spot, not only with myself, but just around others in terms of acknowledging whatever it is I'm feeling or thinking at that given moment, right? And honestly, that that's left me in a spot where it's left me open to misinterpretation by others. And um, like, I've just been wondering on that, do you a relate to that or have you had a similar experience to that? And do you in situations that are separate from that feel seen or even heard for that matter? Sorry, brother, you're, you're breaking up. I didn't really hear you. Oh, uh, for sure. So I, I was just saying, um, what you mentioned about just ultimately just validating your own feelings, right? Or in terms of navigating what our emotions dictate to us. Um, I'm just being honest with you in that I've, in my life at least, um, had situations where I've been in emotional distress and not listening to my internal voice, right? That's put me in a tough spot with others because just having them not validate what it is I'm thinking or feeling, um, it's left a disconnect in terms of me seeing eye to eye with them on things. And that's led to some misunderstanding. And I've just wondered, have you ever had a similar experience to that? And do you ever feel in situations like that seen or heard for that matter? So, mm-hmm. Definitely connect with um, that example that you just provided. Definitely have been in that position. And I, it's hard to put it in words because, you know, my last experience in that type of situation kind of helped alter how I think because I did realize that, you know, by not really connecting with my emotions and not really listening to that inner self, and just listen, just listening to how I feel, I kind of blanketed everything and just said, oh, I'm, I'm all right. You know, it's on to the next day. It's, you know, it's all about working and then, you know, friends and all these different things. So it's like society has given us a lot, not in a negative way, but there's so many things in this world that can literally distract us from knowing who we really are. And having a certain example or situation happen to me where, you know, I was disconnected from multiple people because I never really was as open because I didn't even know my own feelings. I didn't even know what I was truly going through. So it was kind of causing 
um, distance between me and, and certain friends. And, you know, I, I would blame everything else but myself. And once I really took the accountability and self-reflected, I got to really deal with my emotions and my feelings. And then I started to understand where I went wrong and also where, you know, I also went right. Because sometimes we, you know, just to make things easier, we'll say sorry or apologize or you try to just get over it because you're thinking ahead. But many times it's better to be present. You know, you get to deal with what you're feeling, all the emotions that are even connecting from you and, the, and your friends. And I think that's the best way you can find peace after a situation because whether you're still friends or whether you're disconnected still you know the truth is out or the real feelings have been uh, connected with so what's meant to be will, will be right afterwards and that's another form of authenticity where um, you're authentic with yourself you're authentic with you know everything that you're feeling and when you're able to feel and authentically be yourself i think it's it reflects in everything in your life Whatever is going on internally will always reflect externally, like always, man. Whether you can be sad, happy, you can try to play it off, but your true emotions will always come out. And I guess when you do have those conversations with yourself, man, you're authentic in your space. So if you walk in, if you do have a fallout with your friends, you can know that you did everything that was you, whether it was meant to be or not to be. Some people have ulterior motives, not in a negative way, but it could be like networking or different type of connections. But the authenticity will come out where, hey, this connection, your body's telling you it's not meant to be. There's a reason why there's a disconnect. But you'll never really know until you truly know your feelings and know yourself. That makes a lot of sense. And in terms of me reconciling my own feelings, right, uh, with what I might get back from others, right? let's say, and I'm just going to use an example of my own, like, let's like, just thinking back to when I was younger, I was playing basketball with um, my cousin and a couple of his friends, like at a park in his neighborhood. And he was like, he was just dribbling the ball and he pushed off someone. And like that, like that person that he pushed off of fell down and scraped, uh, scraped his hands. And he got up right? He just looked at his hands and they're all cut up and everything. And he ran to my cousin's older brother, right? And my cousin's older brother just told him to toughen up when he started, like when the tears started coming down his face. And I'm just wondering if I go about expressing my emotions and I'm met with, oh, hey, just toughen up. Um, what do I do? Or how do I move forward in terms of okaying or getting that permission to like cry you know yeah um number one thing i definitely never tell anyone what to do um but what i can say personally um what i would do in that situation was just be aware of that moment and that experience and know that that person doesn't have my best interest at heart because if they had my best interest at heart they would care about what i'm going through and really want to dive into what I'm feeling at the moment. Telling me to be tough is kind of like, you know, you're, you know, when you're going through like a hard week or going through something really tough and your friend says, you got it. Yeah. Like, Oh yeah, you got this. That's such a cop out. That's mm -hmm. such a cop out. That's you saying like, Oh, he'll be fine. Like who cares? Or like, you know, he'll be okay. And that's what we always think. We always think tomorrow's promise. We always think everyone that we know is going to get over it. They're happy at one point. They'll be happy again. 
And some people just don't make it back and you never know. And it's our job as human beings to have that responsibility to each other where someone is down just to be there as a human being. I'm not saying you have to, you know, <laughs> be the savior for everybody because at the same time, you don't want to self-abandon. You want to do what's authentically right for yourself. But in my instance, if I, if I was ever met with someone like that, um, I would just know not to open up to that person specifically, um, not putting a negative judgment on them, but just knowing that that is not how I want to be embraced. And that's not how I want my feelings to embrace, to be embraced. So what I would do is I would take those same feelings and I would go to someone who I know loves me, like truly loves me, not loves me for what I do or who I am. Like just loves me. So, and sometimes that could be a family. That could be your mom. Um, mm -hmm. That could be a sibling. It can be your closest friend. Only your body will tell you. We have something that call a discernment. You know, it's like a moral compass within us and we can tell what feels right and what doesn't feel right. And whenever we don't listen to those feelings, I can, whoever's listening will probably will have experienced this where you go against what your, your gut is telling you and it doesn't go as you expect it because your body is trying to tell you. It's giving you a heads up and, and we have to use that discernment to guide us through and navigate through those certain situations where, yes, it's okay to cry. It's okay to be vulnerable just because someone tells you not to if your body is telling you you don't agree with what they're saying, don't agree. You can walk away respectfully and you can go to a space where you feel accepted and embraced. And that's around love and compassion. Good. Good. So what you're saying is just vulnerability on the whole. It grants us that space to just be us. And being authentically ourselves is the key to moving forward. And I vibe with that. So, um, first of all, um, to really wrap up uh, our conversation today, I want to thank you immensely for coming on, right? Because honestly, as a black man, it's not easy opening up talking about feelings, right? But, and it, it's not just feelings in general, just okaying, um, having a conversation about whatever it is I'm thinking like at any moment, right? It's not easy, but the more we do this, the more we okay it, not only within our own circles, but outside of our circles, right? Whoever it is we come across, the more we can stand in our, our own thoughts, feelings. Like, I feel that's important, you know? So thank you. Thank you, man. I, I appreciate the conversation. Uh, and I'm always happy to have this conversation because it's important that this narrative continues to change in the right way. You know, we can think about what time it is right now, like what year it is and say, wow, like the last 10, 5, 10, 20 years, this is our conversations. Yet hundreds and thousands of years, like what has it been? But the moment, it's all about right now in the moment and having this narrative and knowing the power that it holds. And the power of this narrative that we're having right now can change generations of trauma. It can, it can build gaps that were so wide that never could be imagined of closing. But with these conversations, with this mindset, man, we can save lives, save our community, save the future. And that's what it's about. You know, I know we have one life and we have to live it, our fullest potential uh, in God's name personally. Um, but at the same time, we have to know that our obligation lies to humanity. And it's about the people who are behind us as well as the people who are coming after us. And that's what it's about, you know. In these conversations, I pray and I hope and I know that it will slowly change how 
men have conversations. Uh, so we help men who feel alone, men who don't, black men who don't understand the value of their life. And, and that's what needs to change because all, we can talk about how important all lives are, but we can definitely talk about the, the, one, the lives that have been ignored for far too long and the emotions that have been ignored for far too long and the feelings, everything that comes with that life that has been ignored and black men have been ignored in their own family, in their own culture, in their own community. And now times are changing because there's no more, I didn't know. There's no more, um, there's no more ignorance, man. Like we have unlimited access to resources and we have the power in our phones and our laptops and our voices to know what's right and what's wrong at this point in, in, in society. So, man, I just pray that the narrative changes. I pray that black men continue to, to understand that they're loved, they're appreciated. Vulnerability is a strength. Emotions are is a part of your strength and love your life. Exactly. Exactly. Thank you again. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Thank you, bro. Thank you for what you're doing, man. Keep doing it, man. Keep doing it because other, all your other friends, everyone who's watching or everyone who's listening, whoever it may be, one person changed their perspective, man. You've done, you've done good work. You've done great work. Just reflecting on the conversation I just had with Jonathan is really important, and I feel it's going to do a lot of good for a lot of people, myself included. So I'm challenging those who listen to this podcast to really work on being your most authentic self. Now, I know that vulnerability ain't easy by any means, but as far as I can tell, Practice, as cliche as this is going to sound, makes perfect. Just remind yourselves of the benefits that lie in store if you continue to show up as your truest self. You know, because when we sit with conversations like this and learn to accept and understand that, yeah, you know what, my feelings are valid, you know, Empathy towards other people is going to come a lot more naturally, you know. Now, emotional intelligence is also a really productive mechanism to have when we go about dealing with things that are heavy, you know. It's helpful in moving forward as a community. So, by doing this, by getting better at being in tune with one's emotions or feelings or whatever it is we're thinking, just by being vulnerable. You know, we move. Jonathan and I and any other black man, we can speak to the idea of the fact that it's tough being black in society. You know, but by helping out our community, we, we move. So, keep teaching black boys and men that vulnerability is necessary, you know? I find it necessary in order to grow, and again, it makes for a complete person. Just allowing us and granting us that space to 
share what we need to share without making us feel less than or weaker than the ideal man is helpful. And make no mistake, I'm not out here bashing any black man who isn't comfortable or ready to open up. Actually, like, my intentions are quite far from that. You know, my goal is to just inform anyone who listens today, particularly my black brothers, that promoting the idea or promoting the trope of hypermasculinity, that does us serious harm, you know? But by denying black boys and men the basic right to the human experience, right? The human experience by silencing our emotions or not granting us the space to be vulnerable, it keeps us stagnant. And we want change. So this is a message to all listeners now. The next time a black son, nephew, grandfather, uncle, brother, father, or cousin starts to unconsciously become vulnerable with you, encourage them. Keep encouraging them. Let those black boys and men cry.